This is iFanboy Booksplode, The Death of Captain Marvel. This is the end of everything. This is the end, I know. This is the end of everything. Take your love with you and you go. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Booksplode, The Death of Captain Marvel. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Howdy. And this is the Booksplode show, the bi-monthly show. We'd look at a trade paperback, a graphic novel, and it was unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy. It's the sister show to Josh's Talksplode interview show. These shows are brought to you by the patrons, so thank you, patrons. We enjoy doing them. And this is our last one of the year, our, and our last one of the month of two Booksplodes, because we forgot to do one. <laughs> and we thought we'd take a look at The Death of Captain Marvel, and this is specifically the Gallery Edition version that came out very recently, The Death of Captain Marvel Gallery Edition. I think it came out... Last month, didn't it? In November? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was very... Yeah, it's relatively new. So, spoilers for this very, very old story. If you're worried about that, I don't know why you're listening, but spoilers anyway. It came out on November 10th. Yeah, so it's, it's a new edition. And before we get into the, the, the book and the specifics, this is like a bucket list book for me. I don't know yeah. how you feel about it, Josh, because, you know, there's the seminal stories in comics, the ones that are always referenced, and for whatever reason, well, probably because it, it came out when I was five i had never read the death of captain marvel never actually read the story i knew he died of cancer you know it was a famous story when i was a kid first reading comics in the 80s it was constantly being referenced you know captain marvel's death the irony of him dying of cancer just never read it and i always wanted to read it and it was from a book that was always in the back of my head like i never read, i should read that one and that's just one of the last sort of big ones that i got to read so what is your history with this story I mean, it's very similar it's one of those things that i'm aware of you know the cover is very iconic yeah iconic like you you just recognize it but i kind of never read it and the the fact is i kind of didn't really know much about captain marvel at all because you know we we ended up with uh the carol danvers version and then like we just had done avengers forever and there was that i forget his name there was the you know uh space face one Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this is yeah. pretty similar. And then I kind of remembered, you know, the Rick Jones, Captain Marvel thing. But I, I didn't really know. Same, you know, because he died and he was, he's been dead. He's come back in the in the comics way here and there, but he's he's remained dead since then. Yeah. So I had never really read Captain Marvel comics before. This specific version, I think for a long time you could get this, the, the novella, which is yeah. 65 pages. But this version that we're talking about, it contains three or four stories. Marvel superheroes... 12 and 13 from 1967, which is written by Stanley with art by someone. And then there's a story from 1968, which is Captain Marvel number one. Well, it's, it's part three of that first part story. Right. That's true. Uh, then Marvel Spotlight from 1979, which is Doug Bench and Steve Englehart. And then finally, the graphic novel from 1982, which is all by Jim Starlin. And I don't know if there was a lot of other Captain Marvel but I think that the two stories that they put in front of it gave you literally all of the context you needed for what came later. And I found that really helpful. Yeah, the first three issues are his origin. And then the second two issues are, from 10 years later, yeah. are the incident that leads to his death. Yeah, Gene Colan. Gene Colan, the original one. I thought that was really interesting, Josh. So the first two issues are in Marvel Superheroes. So it's like their anthology book. They introduce this character called Captain Marvel, so I'm reading it. They read issue 12, and then they read issue 13, and then I, then I scroll over, and then suddenly it's Captain Marvel number one in 68, and I was like, wait, are they just going to skip? Mm-hmm. And, I, and it turns out, no, they're not. It's the third part of his origin, 
But for whatever reason, they moved it from Marvel Superheroes to his own book. I just I was trying to even think of that happening now. It would never happen now. But like, well, there was just that in the middle of it. Fuck it, give him his own title, and now we're going that way. There was the thing where, and I don't know when it ended, but in the '60s, Marvel basically distributed through National, and because yep. of that, they were only allowed eight titles. They were yeah. only allowed eight titles, and that's why, if you look at early Marvel. You know, there was Tales of Suspense, Tales to Astonish, Journey into Mystery, Mystery. those kind of things. And so I don't know when that ended, but 67 to 68 might have been the spot. It's interesting, though. Like, if you go back and you're like, oh, I'm going to buy Captain Marvel number one. Right. And you buy it, you're you're getting part three of three. That's true. So that's just funny. Anyway. Yes, it is. That You know, so that said, if we're going straight through this. But also that said, this edition is two-thirds preamble to the death of Captain Marvel. Yes, Two-thirds of the page count is the backstory before you get to the actual story. But it does it feels not wasted in any way. I think that they actually did a really good job putting this together and picking the things that you needed to read. And also, yeah. you know, just you get, you know, from a historic standpoint, you get, you know, three sort of different eras in comics, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, you get a 60s Stan Lee story, you get a 70s Mensch Engelhardt story, and, you know, the, the Starlin one is in the early 80s. It's pretty much the same as the 70s one. Didn't Pat Broderick draw the... Middle one? Jim Starlin did Captain Marvel 34 with Nitro. He, he wrote and drew that. Yeah. I know the dialogue was Engelhart. Munch, Engelhart were the writers, and then Pat Broderick was the artist. Yeah. But I, I think it, it was really well done in that way, and I really like that sort of like impromptu history of comics. So that said, like the Stan Lee sort of introduction of Captain Marvel, the three issues that introduce him, the character, they're not that great. <laughs> they're very basic. You know, it's it's sort of low-grade sci-fi space stuff. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know, I think that the thing that's interesting about it, and this is probably Marvel's secret weapon, is that it still provided a jumping-off point for a thing that became more interesting. They just... Well, yeah, because uh, Carol's in this story. Yeah, I know. I was kind of like, oh, wow, she's right away. She's the... And also, I, I thought she's head of security at whatever this uh, Air Force base is or space base, and I thought, wow, that's progressive. Yeah, for sure. And it's not like that they're not setting her up to be a hero. It's not like she becomes Captain Marvel until much later. It was just she was Carol Danvers, head of security. And I was like, wow. I thought I had the same thought you did. I was like, interesting in 1967. And also, she wasn't like a helpless, she wasn't a Carol Ferris kind of type. Or a romantic love interest. She was just. Yeah. I was curious that that was going to happen because that's what you kind of expect to happen. And it wasn't a thing, which is, you know, oddly progressive. You know, and it didn't, there was no hint that, like, this person would become it later, but she has always been a part of the Captain Marvel history, and she shows up again uh, during the Nitro story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that first one, it's it's very, like, Stanley work a day, you know, kind of dumb. It's silly, but there's nothing really unique about it to even make it stand out. Yeah, so there's a Kree squad that comes to Earth. He's a member of the Kree. Mm-hmm. And he's Captain Marvell, M-A-R-V-E-L-L. And he decides he likes Earth and he's not gonna be a part of them attacking it. So he he becomes, you know, by happenstance, Captain Marvel. There's also a whole love triangle where his boss is in love with Captain Marvel's girlfriend. And so that causes a rift as well. But he basically gets to Earth and switches sides. And this goofy thing where he has to keep his helmet on or he has to take a pill and the pill lets him breathe on Earth for an hour. Yeah. You know, that they got rid of at some point, which is real good because it was stupid. And also, yeah. like, he's, he was, at one point, he's in his hotel, he's in a motel room for a lot of the book. Uh, yeah. And, and like, he's got his helmet off. And I was like, you're wasting the pill in the hell, in the motel room? <laughs> I think maybe the most interesting thing was um, actually the, I mean, there's a little bit of a Cold War sort of thing going on, but the motel owner 
mm-hmm. who was super suspicious about it. And you weren't like that was I think that was my favorite part. Yeah. Something's going on here. He had this like weird cylindrical suitcase, and that was the thing that nobody could get over. Yeah. Why does he have that wow. weird bag? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. It wasn't like blow your socks off, but no. there's seeds of some interesting things there. He's a hero unlike the other heroes in the 60s at mm-hmm. Marvel. You know, he's this yeah. alien who, he's not quite Superman, but he, he is the power cosmic. And Did he have the power cosmic at this point? I don't think he did. Uh, I maybe think he not. was strong because he was Kree. Right. He had uh, belt jets, so he couldn't fly. He could jump. You're right. He doesn't have the power cosmic till the next story. No, and everything he has is technology, so he's got nothing going on. It's that stuff comes along later. This Captain Marvel has like almost nothing to do with what he becomes, right? Other than you know, brave and wanting to do good. So you know that was what it was. But it's interesting that a lot of the Kree stuff was there. Ronan the Accuser was there. Mm-hmm. Those sort of basic building blocks, and then so we switch over to Captain Marvel number thirty-four. A lot has changed in ten years at that point. Yeah, and it has Nitro. And Nitro, you may remember, is the catalyst for Civil War. Right. I did forget that. It's one of those, oh, this is a great character. And it starts off, and we're spending time... We spent a lot of time with Rick Jones, actually, which I, I think is great, because he's another one of those Marvel characters who I think used to be much more well-defined than he is now. Well, you never see him now. Yeah, he's talking to Mentor. They've shifted Captain Marvel's story to the, Titan. to the Cosmic Titans. So, you know, Thanos' father, Mentor... They all live on the moon Titan, and it goes around Saturn, and Star Fox, Thanos' brothers in it, and Moon Dragon. Like, there's suddenly he's in this whole Marvel Cosmic world, like, deeply entrenched in it. So there's one issue, and I really thought that this was actually brilliant. So there's one issue, he's got to fight Nitro, who's a actually compelling villain. Like, he doesn't... He, comes, he can blow himself up and reconstitute himself. Right, and he has but he's no, like a human grenade. He doesn't really have... He's not worried about anything. Right. He will always bring himself back together. He's just angry. He, you know, he's got. He doesn't care about anybody. Uh, but he's uh, stealing a compound, nerve agent compound, or something like that. And sort of the end of the issue is that if, if it gets ruptured, everybody's going to die. So it does. And Captain America, you know, closes it off with his power. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. What did I say? America. Yeah, but he he pulls a Captain America. He basically jumps right. on the bomb. Yep. And forces it closed with the super strength, but. As we'll find out later, and doing that will expose himself to this, this yeah. nerve toxin. And he kind of passes out, and then they just leave it. And I thought, oh, that's amazing. That's so many years apart. So then we switch over, and we've got this gigantic Titan story that we're kind of thrown into, like it had already begun, but not wasn't bad. That's the Pat Broderick one. That's the one, the, yeah. the Saturn Storm. You've got the computer that runs Titan has become sentient, and it's decided yeah. to destroy everything, and they, they have to fight it. And it was good. <laughs> it was like yeah. great 70s space shit. Yeah, it's, his buddy is Drax. But Drax is going to kill him after they finish this. Right, but for now, they're they're teamed up to fight this computer, and he has bitchin' 70s sideburns, Captain Marvel does. And I love the fact that his mask accounts for the sideburns. It's true. It's it true. doesn't cover them up. It, there's a cutout for them, which I think is great. It doesn't really, again, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> no reason that would work. And and also Drax the Destroyer you may not recognize at this point because he looks he looks like Golden Age Vision and he looks like a scroll. And or maybe it was just, there was a character in the in the Golden Age called Destroyer. Hmm. He looks kind of like that. Actually, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot of Prince Valiant haircuts and things like that. You know, but at this point he does have the power cosmic. I don't they kind of explain what happened, but it doesn't really matter. And 
I don't know, just a big space epic. And again, this doesn't seem to have anything to do with anything, but it sort of comes back when we get to the Starlin stuff. It fully infuses him into that world, mm-hmm. right? So he is not part of that family, the mentor, Thanos, Star Fox family, but he seems very much entwined with their lives. You know, Thanos is the villain and Star Fox and mentor are fighting against him along with Drax and Captain Marvel. But, you know, it, it puts him into that, that sort of family of characters very deeply. So you understand the connection to have mm-hmm. when you get to the next story. Uh, it makes more sense. Great sort of just Doug Mensch. Steve Egglehart always gets called. He did the dialogue in one of these, but these are mo- the middle ones are mostly Doug Mensch stories, mm-hmm. which are just super fun. You know, these are the comics that we probably would have come across when we were little kids in boxes of random comics. It is interesting, though. Like, when you look at the history of comics and comic reading for me, the 70s remains the black hole. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, like, you, you read the 60s stuff for Marvel because you want to see the beginning of it and the Silver Age DC stuff. We grew up in the 80s, the Bronze Age. I certainly read those comics, 90s, et cetera, et cetera. But for whatever reason, that 70s is a black hole. And I always thought Death of Captain Marvel was a 70s story. It came out in 82. Yeah. But I just I haven't read these books. I think hardly any, basically none. The thing about these ones, though, too, is I'm flipping through them. They feel much more modern than I would think. Uh, there's very little, not very little, but there's much less of the sort of explication that you kind of expect in the overwordiness it isn't that way they don't read like even avengers forever you know was a shitload of dialogue and talking and when you you sort of flip through these they're kind of wordy but it isn't overbearing at all and i, I didn't like as i they, they weren't a struggle to read the stan lee ones were kind of a struggle to read and it's interesting because like pat broderick who draws this middle story you know i know him from the 90s doing green lantern mm-hmm. and it doesn't look that much different it looks like an 80s, 90s comic, and it reads that Right, way. so I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, this does, I mean, if you told me this comic came out in 1992, I would have said, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Tell me it came out in 79? Like, it doesn't look like that at all. This was clearly, we talked about this before, at some point, the second wave, mm-hmm. you know, the first wave at Marvel was the 60s, Kirby and Lee and Colin and Ditko, but then you get the 70s and you get the guys who grew up reading those books, and it's a lot different, and they're all on drugs. Yeah, the LSD is quite apparent. Yeah. A lot more cosmic-y stuff. Hey, man. The thing about this little collection is that it gets progressively better and more fun as you keep going. Mm -hmm. And it's like you get to skip all of the crap. I don't even know if it's crap, but it's just the things that matter to the end of it. And it's kind of crazy how well all the things fit together. And then you get to, you know, the the final bit, which is the death of Captain Marvel. A Marvel graphic novel, which was a rarity back then. Yes. Which tells you how important this was. Well, I mean, I think that was the thing, too, is when we were kids, like, it stood out because it was still a unique thing for several reasons. Right. You know, A, it was a sort of self-contained graphic novel of which there was only, you know, a handful of them that had ever happened. It was called The Death of Captain Marvel, which now seems like so... How many deaths of have we seen? Yeah. Death of Doctor Strange, Death of Wolverine, Death, Death, yeah, right Death of Robin. This was not common at this point. So when they said it, there was sort of the idea that I don't think there was the same expectations that we have today. When we see the death of now, we're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Which sort of added to the experience of reading through this. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we talked a lot about in recent years, you know, not wanting to see a ton of realism in comics in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, PTSD or th- things that where you start to mm-hmm. unravel the, st- the story, it comes apart. So here you have a story in which the main character dies of cancer. And... There's a real tragedy to it yes. that I felt reading it because it's relatable. Like, mm-hmm. I know people who have died of cancer. 
unfortunately. That feeling of helplessness that he has and that his friends have, I've felt that. And so I got a little anxious reading this because of that. Mm-hmm. It's not like he got punched by Galactus and he died from his injuries. It's like he's he's got this thing in him because of the gas he ex- was exposed to by Nitro that's been growing over time. His powers have held it at bay for a while, but now it's no longer able to do it and he's not going to make it. And he accepts it pretty quickly. Yep. One of the things that I thought was really great about it is that they ask a lot of questions like, well, how, how can this happen? You have superpowers. We know all of these people. We have all this science. And they address all of that. Yeah. And, and you know, Captain Marvel is the first one to accept it. Rick Jones does not take it well. Because there's a thing where Rick Jones and Captain Marvel sh- shared a body. It's a whole thing. Right. They firestormed it like the, like the Avengers forever. They're very close in that way. I also really liked that at the end of it. Like, like they hadn't seen each other at the beginning, which is kind of sad. But, like, they grew close because of it. They don't hate each other. Right. Like they care about each other. And... You know, Captain Marvel has actually written like this really mature, self-aware adult person. Mm -hmm. And it really surprised me. I'd say the first chunk of it didn't seem all that special. And I was like, eh, you know, know, I I see what they're getting at. But as they, they kept going through the writing, the characterization and the storytelling really did seem very modern in a way that I don't think I was expecting from a... So... At a certain point, it picks up, and I'd say the last half or third of it, it became really clear, like, why we're talking about it, Mm -hmm. I think. The scene that really got me, so he goes to Mentor, who is, again, Thanos' father on Titan, and they scan him with Isaac, the the supercomputer, and, you know, they they get the diagnosis, there's nothing he can do, and he has to go tell his girlfriend, who doesn't Mm -hmm. know. And that page really got me. Oh, where he's sitting on the bench? Yeah, it's all silent, it's all body language, and if the panels of him talking to his girlfriend are interspersed with panels of mentor watching the conversation, mm-hmm. and finally having to walk away because it's too painful. Yeah, that's a great page. It's a great page. It's a great really page. Is. Body language, it's very... <laughs> Except the one where she's kind of in a spread eagle in her bikini. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, her boyfriend just walked over. You know, it's yeah. time for action. But then it all changes when, you know, because he's clearly upset. Yeah. I did like that they call it, you know, let's call in all the big brains. So they call in mm-hmm. Reed Richards and Beast, and they call in, for some reason, Wonder Man and Thor as well. Yeah. They did say that. At one point, they're naming all the people that he knows, and like, Thor's here because these are all masters of science. I was like, he is? <laughs> yeah. Also, Jim Starlin, not great at drawing a Thor hammer. That was the thing I took out of well, Not great at drawing Black Panther either, because he's got Batman ears. Fair enough. But so they got Hank Pym, T'Challa, Tony Stark. Beast. Vision. Beast. And Reed Richards, and for some reason, Wonder Man and Thor, they're all there to try to solve cancer. And I liked that they were like, cancer is not like a thing. It's so different. It's so unique to every person. And that's the part of the problem with cancer. Why It's so hard to come up with a cure because every cancer is different and everybody's reaction to cancer is different. And they're like, we can't, we can't just do this. Dr. Strange is there too. And then they get around it by saying his nega bands keep him from being healed like he if he takes the bands off he dies like basically immediately because they're stopping the cancer they're slowing the cancer down but they also but are preventing the cure that they did find right. in another planet and i thought that was that was great i was yeah. like that's quality explanation they thread the needle yeah they did well it's interesting because the other thing is you keep seeing the hero in repose and he's, he's sad he's trying to record his memoirs he's going through the stuff but he's accepted it and then there's right before that scene that you're talking about there's a scene where he's sort of in his own quarters and he gets pissed off yeah and he smashes the computer. And it isn't like, I don't know, it, it isn't comic booky. I mean, it is melodramatic for sure. But I just felt so. But people so, do that. Yeah, you know, you no, go through I, the stages of grief for yourself. 
yeah, and, and Mentor is like, this can't be, and he goes in, and the, the Avengers scientist or, you know, whoever, like, they, they just, like, this isn't going to happen. And then yeah. very quickly, we go to his deathbed chamber. Yeah. Right after that, because it sort of happened, and all the heroes show up, and you have a you know great like maybe one of the best full page spreads of all the heroes showing up because they respect him, and and you buy it, you hundred yeah. percent buy it in a way that like if if triathlon was dying, you wouldn't, right? And like at this point, I did not expect to have feelings. Yeah, for sure, because I don't really know the character that well, but like yeah. it was written so emotionally sensitively. Yes, that by the end I was like, fuck, I really wanted him to survive. Like Spider-Man breaks yeah. down when he goes to see him in his room and can't face it. Like he walks out. By the way, that happened to me. Yeah. With a love. Like that was like I walked in, I saw it, and I was like, and I had to leave because it like, and so I, I was like, that to me felt like, you, saw, you know, the, Starlin had seen some of this because that's a, that was a really real thing. I actually really liked the other thing. Uh, Drax comes in, you know, and they, they have history together and he just said, I'm not going to kill you. We're friends. You saved me. You know, and that's really sweet. But he brings a scroll general with him. Yeah. And the scroll general's like, listen, we have always respected you because we are war people. So here's a medal. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, they're like, you can't accept it from a scroll because they're the enemies of the Kree. He's like, you see the Kree around here? Fuck them. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. There was, you know, unintentional or intentional comedy in it a little bit. Like when. Rick Jones it comes in to see his friend, and he's like having his breakdown. For some reason, the thing is still there, so it's kind of <laughs> awkward. <laughs> he's got like a big bulgy eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, fuck! I assume they were friends. I didn't, you know, I'm not yeah. the comics, but like it was just funny that the thing was just sort of there while they were his girlfriend and Rick Jones were breaking down in his bedside. But then the things like we got to leave him alone for a while. Like, it, was, it was all done very well, and then you know it's progressing. He looks terrible in the bed, and then he talks to his. I guess the thing must be one of his closest friends because at the end it's Rick Jones, Drax, his girlfriend, Moondragon, and the thing. So they must have had a relationship. And then, you know, he falls into a coma and then it's it. Well, there's one more sequence. You know, you don't want this to happen all the time. No. Right? You don't want, like, you know, Jason Todd to get leukemia. But to do it one time in a very special episode, in a very special story, with a character they clearly were planning on moving on from. And it was a good character for it. Yeah, you know, because he has some gravitas, he has some history. You know, everybody has a reason to respect him, and it's a great costume, by the way. It's one of those ones that you know, kind of. It is a great out. costume. We didn't talk about the end where you know he dies, and Thanos is dead. Also, he's been turned into a statue in a very awkward pose, and he comes back alive one more time to usher Captain Marvel to the other side. But they have to do it in a fight because they are enemies and i really liked that but it was very respectful too like yeah he's like the same look i'm gonna thing. help you get over there but we have to fight like well, that's well, what we interesting do because in this one uh and and they said this in the movies but they would say you know thanos is the mad titan he's he's yeah. up for death and if you look at it was that recent book we just read uh where there's kid thanos and he just wants to kill everything or whatever oh right but, but the way that, that he's portrayed in the movies is actually fairly sane you know it's done a different way and this thanos sort Avengers. of reminded me of that you know, where he's, you know, there's a respect to him about the whole yeah. thing. He's a, he's a killer, he's whatever. But it was like, we have, we're going to fight. But there wasn't malice involved. It was just, this is the thing that happens. And it, the, the ending was fairly surreal, I think. The fight's basically a way for him to accept his death. Yeah, and I kind of wondered if this was like his, you know, 
not hallucination or dream sequence sure. or whatever, but it doesn't even matter is the thing. No. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of theories about what happens to your brain when you're dying, and it, there's a lot of ideas that's, that you hallucinate. That's what all the near-death experiences are. But, you know, death, the character death, who Thanos is in love with, shows up, and the three of them walk through the light, and then he's dead. Again, you know, for a comic from 1982, it was very mature emotionally it was really one of those things like you know i'm sure that the workaday stuff that they had done or jim starlin and you know whatever was was fine but it wasn't and like they gave him this chance and this is when it was unique to like do a story and like he ran with it i think you know because of its unusualness at the time i think it worked really well i also think the length was perfect like yes because it was this original graphic novel, it didn't have to fit it into a space of a given bunch of issues. It was as long as it needed to be. And when it was over, it was over and you, you know, you didn't hang around. There wasn't a ton of epilogue or anything. And I think that worked really well. The art is very much of its time. Like it felt like a late seventies, early eighties comic. It's a little overwrought. It's a little melodramatic. The posing is very dramatic. It was a little European, I thought. Yeah. You know, off from the Marvel style model. You know, this stuff where, like, the anatomy wasn't perfect at all, but it kind of fit. Like, it really it gave it that sort of poetic quality to a certain extent. Yeah. Starlin's got a very specific look. His faces yeah. are very Starlin-esque. Yeah. I thought it really worked. In a way, more than the Pat Broderick stuff that was earlier than this, the Pat Broderick stuff felt more modern, where this felt like, oh, I feel like I'm reading a comic from that particular timeline. Yeah. Or that particular year. It was beautiful. I got to say, I was really surprised at how well it worked for me. I thought, oh, it'll be pretty, you know, it'll be good and be interesting, but it'll exist in its time. And, you know, I got choked up by the end, and I I had no way expected that. And there was just an earnestness to it that I did not expect in any way. And I think by having Starlin be writer and artist, I think that he really got to really tell the story exactly as he wanted to. And I think that made it work. You know, we talk about sometimes in comics, especially recently, because he's got a lot of new, new younger writers coming in who want to pitch these characters against forces they can't punch their way out of. You know, like Superboy can't punch his way out of inequality. It's just not a thing. But, and that doesn't work in a monthly adventure story. But here, as a one-off, you can't punch their way out of cancer. You know, there's nothing they can do. There's no quest they can go on. Again, there's a futility you got every major Marvel character of the age in this building, and they can't do anything about it. And there's a futility mm-hmm. to that that was very powerful. You know what also kind of worked, too, is that I know it's called the death of Captain Marvel, and I know he dies. But they were doing this thing where they kept going, well, there's, I mean, there's less than a 1% chance. And in any other comic book, right? that means that it's going to happen. And then they, they do like, find a cure. They find a cure on another planet, but he can't take it because of the negabands. Right. You know, Ch- Chekhov's gun never fires. By the way, they, they should keep that cure on, on Earth. What I liked about this from an art standpoint, just from a character standpoint, that splash page you talked about where all the characters are walking into the mm-hmm. base, that really transported me because this is the look of early 80s Marvel, which is you know my first sort of entry into it. Yeah. And at one point, we see the Avengers back at their base, and it's like the classic lineup. You know, It's like a Beast and Iron Man and Vision and Wonder Man. And Cap, and I was like, that's the fucking Avengers. <laughs> this is the Marvel Universe. Like, to me, you know, it's always like your first entry into anything is touches you the most or affects you the most. This was my entry into Marvel, it was the early 80s. And so these characters and these designs, these costumes, this is, to me, what feels like home for the Marvel characters. And oh, it was awesome. nice to see. 
want to bring up, I think the Nitro stories, the sort of other stuff, they look like they've been recolored. Oh, probably. But the Death of Captain Marvel, the graphic novel stuff, looks like it was the color at the time. Steve Olaf, you'll still see his his name around. I don't know if it's watercolored or the color's great. And it yeah. really is like slightly subdued. I'm assuming they had a better, more expensive printing process for the, graphic the, the regular issues yeah. for this. Because it's, you know, it's it's textured and layered in a way that most of the comics didn't. But this isn't been redone with like crap. Thank God. This wasn't right. done with sort of modern digital comics on top, on top of art that would have never, you know, isn't meant to be there. The coloring is great. It stands out as special compared to, I think, a lot of comics from this era that I've read. Yeah. I was really impressed. I really was. I liked all of it. I liked this whole collection. I was trying to decide because at some point throughout the death of Captain Marvel story itself, they referenced all the storylines. They flashed yeah. back to Nitro. They flashed back to his origin. So I was trying to decide, did we need those other ones? We didn't need them, but it was a nice bit of backstory. Yeah. Well, I think I said it. when we, we teased this on the Pick of the Week show, you know, if you're going to read it, like read this version because I think it gives you a whole picture and you don't even know why you're reading it all but it, it comes together and you could read it on its own but I don't think it would have the same impact and it was just kind of cool to see them take these things from 15 years in the past and you know three or four ten years in the past and sort of bring them all together yeah and it was nice to see also that Carol was there from the beginning she's been around yeah. since the, the 60s we have no idea how she becomes Captain Marvel after this well that was funny because he, he just appeared in, in the most recent issue of Captain Marvel because all the old Marvels are being brought back to fight her. It's the whole thing. And at one point, she's like, oh, I've watched him die already. And I was like, did you? Like, hey, you weren't there. You weren't on the base. <laughs> Call her out. I do remember one of my favorite stories as a kid. It was in the 90s. It was an Avengers annual where Game Master and maybe the Collector, two classic beings were having a bet so they set up one of those classic, you know, one-off stories where they grab a bunch of characters and make them fight in space. And so it was like all these, you know, Avengers get pulled out and they have to fight dead characters. You know, somebody has to fight Bucky and but then and one of them was Captain Marvel. And I didn't really know much about him, but I remember just being cool that there was this seminal event that still emotionally mm-hmm. affected the characters. I don't know how Carol became Captain Marvel. And there's been a lot of captain marvels over the year just different versions of there's it's like that one in avengers forever there was monica rambo was captain marvel for a she point. Was, well she was captain marvel when i was really getting the comics yeah. in the middle to late 80s there was marvel boy there's been a bunch of them and and i i remember i don't know if this is still true but you know when captain marvel came back i think there was some story we read at some point where he was in it but he was like from an earlier time Mm-hmm. Some story, we maybe Century or something like that. Sure. And he had some weight. He had some gravity. Like when he came back, like it felt like it mattered in a comic book. And I think it's because they kept him dead. I hope that that is a like a rule. We don't bring, and I'm sure that that will be broken at some point. But we well, don't they're bring all men, you Marvel know. Was, they don't bring back Bucky. Yeah, I know. So I'm reading Carol's origin in the 1970s in a book called Miss Marvel. They said that the explosion that we saw. You know, the nitro explosion changed her, you know, because she was, yeah, she was hurt in the explosion. She she technically did see him die because that was the, anyway. (laughs) Right. It changed her genetic structure to meld with Captain Marvel's, effectively turning into a human Kree hybrid. Can't get away with that now. No. I wish you could get away with stupid 
origins now that don't make any sense. Superhero science. Yep. Hard water. <laughs> it's all about hard water. I think a certain amount of ignorance had to be like we just didn't have we didn't know how stuff worked. And I, this I sounds good. We didn't have the internet to look it up. It was kids reading the books. <laughs> no one knows shit. They were all super high while they were writing it. <laughs> Not the hard water that goes back. <laughs> they didn't even know where to get well, a jazz cigarette. Well, hard water. They were on a lot of bourbon. That's true. Yeah, I think this was terrific. I'm so glad we did this. I don't think I would have even thought of it, but yeah, I'm so happy we read this book. But it had just come out, so we I just kind of noticed it, and it was it was not too long. I mean, that's, that's been, <laughs> lately that's been the first thing I look at. What's the page count? All right, 180. I can do this. Injustice really broke us. <laughs> the new gods and injustice. The death of Captain Marvel, the gallery edition. I guess we should rate the whole book, but do we want to separately rate the actual? graphic novel inside the book no i think i think you rate it as as a single experience death of captain marvel gallery edition i think it's a singular experience i'm going to give it a four and four point four point seven i was oh yeah i was gonna say like four and a quarter but uh i don't disagree with what you said i was trying to be realistic but as a volume it gets progressively better as you read like it gets better and better it, like it's i don't think there's a lot of things that do that you know like it starts yeah. like this is fine and then by the end you're kind of in love with it yeah I, I recommend anyone who has not read this should read this story this is a great story and it's important you know in the history mm-hmm. of marvel and it isn't gonna feel like you're reading something that is so anachronistic that it, it's you know it's kitschy i don't think it's that no not at all yeah and look if you can only get your hands on the actual novella go for it but this gives you a, a lot of interesting history. Yeah. So there the you go. Marvel stuff. The Death of Captain Marvel. Starlin, Lee, Thomas, Englehart, Munch, Colin, Broderick. It's good names. Good job. Really fun. So there you go. There's our books blowed, our final books blowed of the month and of the year. Josh and I were talking earlier, and we'll be back in January with another books blowed so we can get the talks loads on track and, and give him a little more time to book some guests. Yeah. I don't know what the next book's going to be, but it's probably not going to be Marvel. That's what Yeah, we did. We did Six this year and four were Marvel, but a fifth one was the book about Stan Lee. So really five were, yeah. five were about Marvel. We really did a lot of reading for Booksplodes this year. We did. So we're probably going to try to mix it up a bit more yeah. next year. Not so if anybody Marvel, knows a good 35-page DC story. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do some looking. I'll, I'll, I'll present you with some options. Okay. In the meantime... You can go to fanboy.com. That's where you'll find our weekly pick of the week show where Josh and I review the week's new comics. You can find all of our book explodes that we just talked about. You can find Josh's talk explode creator interview shows. You can find our monthly media explode show. All those explodes were unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash fanboy. Thank you to them. Uh, you'll be able to listen to our all media year and roundup next week. That's our year in show. And uh, we thank you if you've listened all throughout the year to our book explodes. We do really love doing these collected editions. They're super fun. Yeah, it really is. It's a different kind of conversation. I gotta work so out. thanks for that. And we'll be back in January with more book explodes. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Thanks so much, everyone. Mm-hmm.